Welcome to the Premier League Forever Forest podcast. Welcome back to the Forever Forest podcast. I've not got a clue what episode it is because I'm not Ryan Freebury. I am Kieran Curtis filling in his rather large shoes for the evening. And joining me tonight, we've got the man, the myth, the legend from New York City. Dan, how are we? I'm all right. I'm wearing a, an American football shirt, the team that's doing well, just to cheer me up rather than having to be glum about just Forest. So I'm being a glory supporter for the day. That's probably a good call, mate. And I don't think there's many Forest fans that would begrudge you that at the minute. Find joy. Find joy after this weekend. You deserve it, Dan. And we also have the lovely Holly Royal coming to us live from this nation's capital. How are we, Holly? Hi, Kieran. Yeah, not too bad. Trying to stay positive, mate. Trying to stay positive. It's all we can do at the minute. Of course, I I do feel like I owe an apology, or at least collectively as a group, maybe we owe an apology to our faithful listeners, whoever you may be, uh, for for not following up the really high point, which was beating Liverpool at home, uh, which I think I was pinching myself after that one to to make sure it really happened. Uh, If only, if only. And then we went into this weekend. And I don't know about you, but I, I definitely went into this weekend thinking, oh, it's Arsenal. We, we can, you know, if we can beat Liverpool, we could probably catch a, a young group of Arsenal players off guard. We've done it before. We've done it plenty of times, really, actually. And yeah, I, I definitely went into the game overconfident. And boy, did we get found out. Let's go to the positives. Holly, Liverpool, what was that like? Oh, it was just one of those beautiful, beautiful moments. Um, yeah, where do you start? Um, I think within 15 minutes, I thought, okay, we're doing all right here. We're holding our own. Um, getting into half time, nil nil, and that was right, wasn't it? I've, I've kind of cast it out of my memory actually a lot of it since since the weekend. Um, and I thought we looked really good. I thought we looked really resolute in midfield. The defense was solid, and I thought, do you know what? We might just get something here. And when that goal went in, oh, my God, that celebration. Um, It was limbs of the limbs. It was just everything. It was everything you wanted it to be. Um, And at full time, you know, there was people around me in tears. It was that emotional. And I know we were accused of, like, over-celebrating, but come on. (laughs) After all this time, beating the Scousers at the city ground, um, yeah, it was one of those moments. And if that is... I don't want to be too negative, but if that is all we've got this season, then I am going to cherish that because it was, yeah, it it was special. It was very special. That was one of those kind of mythical moments for, for me. My dad had always told me about the Liverpool rivalry um, growing up and I never really got to experience it. A couple of pretty drab Premier League games towards the back end of our time um, before that two-decade-long hiatus. It felt good, though. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Dan, what did you make of it? Yes, yeah, so I, I was watching that one at home. It was an early one here. I think it was 7am or 7.30 or something like that. And you can usually judge about how good a game is as to what reaction you get off of people who you may know or family or anything like that. And my wife's not a huge, huge football fan. She follows it. She comes to the odd game. She used to be an Ipswich season ticket holder back in back in her youth. 
Um, and usually she couldn't care less who Forrest are playing and she they'd just get the usual patronising, you know, oh, well done or sorry or whatever. And um, she came in quite shocked and to say, did you did you just beat Liverpool in the Premier League? And I was like, yes, yeah, we did. And it's like it felt like I'd, I'd arrived on the on the scene of Premier League football amongst conversation, so I could hold my own with other other supporters over here of other teams. Going, no, no, we're actually legit at this point. That you know, one win against West Ham, you could put down to a, a fluke, and maybe we shouldn't have got that result. Um, given that they had chance in the missed penalty, but then to, to beat Liverpool and save one, two at home from your first five, I think it was at the time, uh, or six, then suddenly it felt after that game, at least as oh, okay, well, we're capable here. And there was a, there was a confidence boost. I'm just disappointed in a way that the next game was against a team like Arsenal, because I don't think that would, was a representative opportunity to show what we'd learned from Liverpool necessarily, even though maybe, as you say, Kieran, we thought it might have been, and we got our hopes a bit too high. What went right then? So we've been having a head-scratching time of it in the Premier League. We've stuck by Cooper, ridden out a little bit of turbulence, and then we started climbing, and then it clicked against Liverpool. So what went right in that game that we can build on and take into the rest of the season? So for me, um, without getting too much into the kind of tactics and X's and O's and all the stuff that we're usually pretty useless at, I think it was quite clear that the idea was to send Liverpool wide and go, OK, well, if you want to beat us, then you can go down the wings and cross it in. And they didn't manage to score. They had some great chances, uh, but they just weren't good enough to do that. And the game plan worked. And we, I think we, I don't want to say we rode our luck, because that makes it sound as though we were lucky to get away with the win. Um, but I think to beat anyone in this league, whether it's Liverpool or not, you need to play your best game and you need to hope when you've got a squad like Forrest's coming up that the other team doesn't play their best game. Um, and I, I don't think anyone would argue that Liverpool weren't at the best and we we were close to ours. So I think that's as, as simple as that, to be honest, which is we nullified them. And I, I was I was somewhat, um, I don't know, lost for words that Liverpool didn't do anything about it because it seemed obvious at half-time what we were doing and I thought, well, they're going to come out second half and they're going to change a few things around and maybe not make substitutions, but they'll make a tactical change and before you know it, they'll be two up or something and it just never came. So credit to Forrest for uh, sticking with it and seeing it out. Yeah, I mean, you you said you, you're spot on because you did send it to our chat during half-time in, in that match. You said it only takes one more midfielder uh, to to kind of stifle our play. They were giving us the midfield and other teams aren't aren't going to do that holly admittedly we now have to take all the positives from that game with a pinch of salt but what did you see from it that you think we can build on well just making ourselves hard to beat i think i mean especially i think that's what was so disappointing about arsenal was that obviously we went one nil up against liverpool and then you know we just continued to battle and we didn't didn't let them get in, and and you know, big shout out to Ryan Yates because as we all know, he was a, a massive part of that game. He just threw his body at everything, and he was an absolute, you know, solid captain that we needed him to be. And um, I would have liked to, because the thing with I know we're going to come onto it a little bit more with Arsenal, but um, we're very resolute. We broke up the play in the midfield, and our defense, like Steve Cook, was magnificent. I thought he had a fantastic game. Um, and we sort of fell apart against Arsenal and we kind of forgot how to defend. So I'm a bit disappointed that we didn't kind of build on that. And as Dan said, the fact that we had Arsenal straight after that game um, was such a shame because we kind of set the benchmark then and we had a you know a lot to build on. And then 
to kind of hit, to hit Arsenal at that time, I think it's such a shame, really. But you know, you've got to you've got to beat, you've got to get a point, you've got to get something out of who's in front of you at the end of the day. So, um, but I'm not completely disheartened because you know we raised the levels, we showed that we can beat the team like Liverpool, albeit not on their best. Um, but we can do it, and I think for us, it's a lot to do with mentality, to be honest, which I'm sure we'll come on to against Arsenal. Mm, indeed we will uh, before we do though there was a slight change in that Liverpool game and that we saw Serge Aurier start at right back and Nico on the uh, over on the left hand side that work? would we keep that up? I, I'm a bit lost with our fullbacks to be honest because as <laughs> always we we went into the season with like 12 of them and we've gone back to the curse of not having any left backs within three weeks, which is just, I think it's just very forest, isn't it? That we said, oh, we're not sure who to play. We've got Omar Richards out with a fracture of his leg from the moment he signed. We've got Aurier, we've got Nico Williams, we've got Toffolo. Who else have we got? We brought someone else in. Lodi. Uh, there's so, so many of them. And yet we've ended up with a right foot player playing on the left. So there was obviously reason for it, but it, it just smacked of Forrest's left back woes since what, 1997, I guess. Yeah, the more things change, the more they stay the same, don't they? We 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 wouldn't want it any other way, really. It's all it's already too dizzying. It's nice to have familiar things to fall back on. Um, right. Before I bring on the negativity, let's uh let's talk Taiwo Awani. Uh, I'm getting Sean Gota. You know, feed the goat and he will score. If we get him the ball in the right kind of positions, he's looking dangerous. Not the most creative player for himself but in and around that six yard box so how do we increase that regularity of getting the ball to him in those positions because ultimately I know some people Jose had a pop at people the other day for reading too much into data and if you if you just look at data you don't really understand football maybe so but it is a pretty basic principle that the more chances you create the more you put away and especially when you create more chances for someone in a situation that suits them more so than others you know giving Jesse Lingard the ball on the edge of our six-yard box and expecting him to dribble through everyone I mean giving Jesse Lingard the ball on the edge of their box and expecting him to dribble through everyone isn't exactly going to plan either uh but Taiwo is he our starting number nine and what do we need to do to get him bagging more often? Um, I just think we need to have like a consistent period with you know who we're, who we're going who we're, who's going to play with who you know. So are we going to stick with Gibbs White Lingard? Johnson's not going to get a start. You know, it obviously worked against Liverpool, not so much against Arsenal. But I think it's all about, you know, consistency and, and, and just learning each other. The more they play together, the more they'll understand each other. And I think learning what works with Taiwo, playing to his strengths and sticking with it, I think for me. I mean, I know it's that's kind of an obvious answer, but um, because we've had lots of shuffling, we've had lots of fiddling um, so far this season. And I think, yeah, you know, he's, he's a poacher. Um, as you say, get, get, get the ball to him in the right areas and he will score. So... For me, it's just about consistency um, and it's got to happen quick. You know, we've got to pick up where we left off with Liverpool. Let's just forget about Arsenal um, at home against Brentford. You know, I, I would start them and um, start the same um, and see where we go, really. I don't know whether Dan agrees. He's probably got a bit more to it than I have. But... Not, not at all, really. Um, I think the only thing to add, and we're drifting a bit on the 
you know, the striker situation is. The only thing I may be disappointed in, and I, I, I'm not one for kind of second guessing what Cooper does or anyone else does because they know far more than I do. Um, I'm just disappointed we haven't seen Surridge much, to be honest. Not necessarily mm-hmm. saying he should start, um, but I think we've only really got two options as a quote unquote nine. Um, and Alan, he did the job against Liverpool, he didn't against Arsenal. Um, I'm surprised we haven't seen Surridge come on for those kind of 15 minute stints at the end, more so than maybe Dennis or others, not anything against the players, but just kind of the way that they play. Um, but the other thing I'd say as well is you could say some players are blowing hot and cold, but it's all right. It's very difficult to say how well players are playing when they're playing against different opposition and just stepping back. Arsenal would double the team Liverpool were on the day. And I think we, you know, don't get too high on the highs and don't get too low on the lows. And I honestly think I'm hoping at least that Cooper must be thinking to himself, well, that was a much sterner test Arsenal away than Liverpool at home. And even if everyone played as well as they did against Liverpool, we probably weren't going to get anywhere close to the same result out of that game, given how Arsenal played, because you've got you've got to give some respect to the opposition and, and credit to say they're top of the league, more points this year than Manchester City. So they're obviously doing something right and smashing a few teams around. So I'm not I'm not too disappointed in that, but um, I'd just like to see maybe a bit more of Surridge if we can get him in, because I think he's got that power, but he's also got a bit of pace to go in behind as well and can poach. So um, maybe he should be getting given a chance, but not to say that Awanyi hasn't, hasn't done what we needed him to so far. Yeah, hard to disagree with you there, mate. But, um, is that partly just because we know what Surridge can do against the others? I think it's the art of um, what's the thing? When something doesn't work, the answer is always the thing you haven't tried, right? <laughs> so it's <laughs> partly that, which is surely, surely if what we're doing now is losing those games, then the answer must be the guy on the bench. But you never know, it could be worse. So um, it's, yeah, I think it's it's more what you know. And um, admittedly, we only saw Surridge in the in the championship, but I, I think he's got a lot to offer at this level, even just by the way we're setting up and playing. And if you're not playing Johnson for his pace and a one, he's getting pushed off the ball as he did against Ben White on on a Sunday, Sunday, then um, then maybe it's something to look at. But I'm sure they've got their reasons. He's had his glimmers when he came in. I think it was against Villa that Sturridge came on at the end. Yeah. And two things I noticed: his hold up play. He's a lot stronger on that sort of left hand side, and also any headers, any flick ons that come through him are always quite. They kind of lead to, to bits and pieces in there. It gives us that other option as well as. There's been so many games this season where I thought you throw him on, he probably would have put that away. There was kind of those those opportunities which a grabbing last season probably would have taken. You think maybe Sturridge would have put that away. So I Yates totally agree with Dan. That... Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, nothing against Yates. He was a hell of a save from Allison. But yeah, yeah well, I, exactly. I was thinking the exact same thing. I'm like, yeah. another player uh, probably puts that into a spot that a keeper won't reach it. Um <laughs> Holly, you mentioned about consistency and and you're right, of course. The only way we're going to really find out what players are made of is if we see them on a consistent basis. The only way we're going to work out what system is best for this team is if we play something on a regular basis. Realistically now, though, we're what? Three games away from a big break in the middle of the season. Do we let those few weeks be a case of trial and error and then Cooper's got to get it right in that break with the lads on the training ground? Or is there a system now? And we say the way you played against Liverpool, it's how you've got to play against everyone. You've got to attack them from the off. That's the system that that worked. 
and we build from that. Because I don't really have a clue, if I'm honest. Now, I'm not a football coach. I'm not qualified in any uh, way, shape or form, which I know listeners, given the expert analysis that I offer you on a regular basis, you're very shocked by. But I'm not. I'm not. I, I work in copy. Um, I don't know what the answers are at the moment. I, and I, I'm really, I, if I'm honest, I'm only looking at beat 12 points and then we'll go from there. And everything else is a bonus. But then I'm seeing people having a pop at others on, on Twitter as happens on that platform. It's really all it's for is making enemies at, at this point. Um, but everyone's getting criticism now for just enjoying the ride. What, what do you want? What do you want, guys? Like, What am I supposed to do as a fan right now? Because I don't want to be negative and moan about it nonstop. And I need some form of optimism. So what... What what is the the optimistic view right now? How do I continue to enjoy this season without being the pessimist or without being the eternal optimist? It's very it, the Premier League's a head spin, isn't it? I just yeah, can't com- keep up. <laughs> completely. The thing is, at the end of the day, it's that old adage of it, anything can happen in football. You know, no one expected to beat Liverpool. You know, there might be some incredible highs along the way. There might be some more incredible lows, but just support the team. Um, I will always advocate uh, supporting your team and chanting from the first whistle to the final. It doesn't really matter what you're chanting as long as it's not massively abusive or causes anybody any, you know, upset. Um, I know there's a there's a few bits, wasn't there, going around on Twitter about singing, you know, Champions of Europe to, to Arsenal and all of that. I mean, it's all just a bit of fun, isn't it, really? It's it is a little bit a little bit silly, but who cares? Get behind the what, team. What else would we sing to exactly. the team top of the league? And What's the, the only thing we have on them when we're 5-0 down? Well, exactly. And the other thing is, if it was anybody else, if it was reversed, you'd sing it. Anybody would sing it. Anybody in our position that had that history would sing it. And it's not really hurting anyone, is it? It's it's a little bit silly, but who cares? It, it Just sing, get behind the team. I love it that we're singing 5-0 down um, until, you know, the 92nd minute. I love it. I love that about my team. So yeah, it would be much never... better to be singing when you're five nil up, but when you're right, put in that course. position, there's not much you can do, right? Um, exactly. And again, I I also have no issue with the idea that you know if you're in London and you've got a three hour journey back on a Sunday, you know I'll get uh, dogs abused for this, but if you're five nil down and people are leaving with five minutes to go, I have also got no issue with that either. To be honest, in the grand scheme of things, um, I, the only thing I'm not a massive fan of is the is the kind of, and I think it reflects more on individuals than it does, you know, on the situation because it, it just um, t- talks to the headspace, but the kind of abuse, like, you know, get it off your chest, you know, your, your shit, your shit, whatever, you know, during the game, but it's not, it's not benefiting anyone. And I don't, you know, it's not benefiting the players. It's not really benefiting you unless you're just trying to vent. Um, and I don't think Cooper's there, the other side of the field going, did I just hear correct that everyone thinks Froyler needs to come off in the 87? You know, it's, it's not really, it's not really having that impact either. Um, so I totally agree, which was, is if you've got a choice between being positive and negative, then it is your choice, right? No, Forest don't make you feel anything. You choose to feel how you want to feel about them. And um, if you've got a choice, then pick the one that's better for you, I think. Mm, yeah, no, no good comes from getting on players back. So... I actually uh, went to a United game uh, last week because a, a friend of ours who's a United member had a spare ticket going. 
That sounds that sounds like the behaviour of someone that buys half and half scarves. It does, doesn't it? It's it the sounds brand. very it's much brand. like that. It does. I I was <laughs> that football tourist, and I think my favourite moment of being there was when I was in the queue for a pint at half time, spotted a fan ahead of me who had a Chelsea cap on, um, and immediately started like messaging my mates, being, "Oh, bloody tourist!" And like, "Well, what are you?" I was like, "Oh yeah, good point." <laughs> um, but. I, I went because uh, rumour had it Ronaldo was going to start. I've never seen the guy play uh, and I was very excited around that. But during the game, Harry Maguire gets introduced and gets introduced to a chorus of boos. Like, and not pockets. This was large like amounts of fans booing a player who's just entered a game that you're only... Like, what was the score at that point? I think they were only 1-0 up at that point. And he's in a central position. Like, if anything could go wrong at that point, he could be key to whatever that may be. I can guarantee getting on his case did nothing to help him. Like, no, nothing whatsoever. And, and that that gave me a bit of an objective view to step away and be like, ah, do you, yeah, do you know what? Like, as far as it goes at the games, I'm glad I haven't heard that much negativity on players. Um, but... The, the Twitter sphere would suggest that some people are, are heading that way. The likes of Lodi getting stick online. Yeah, it, it's just not conducive to anything. There's, there's no. no... And, and I think, look, everyone's, you know, we're as guilty of this as anyone because we're on a podcast about it, offering our opinion. So everyone's, you know, who, who am I to say who's entitled to what opinion? It's more just the fact of what is the end game of vocalising these in a certain way. And I think there's a constructive way to sit there, as many do and many good podcasts and media people and everyone else do is sit there and go look I think this player is better than this player in this position for the following reasons you know I'd put Toflo in instead of Lodi whatever it may be but the whole kind of and I'll bring an example up I know we talk about Yates a lot so it's not about the player necessarily but the situation someone on Twitter the other week who replied to some comments under something I think another um, another very reputable podcast I've got their mug here actually there we go if anyone's um forest all over put a thing up going oh who who's your first three names on the team sheet and a few people you know amongst others said yates was one of them and someone replied going yates oh he's shit he's you know he's a league war all the usual stuff about yates whether you agree with it or not and that was before the liverpool game and then he had an outstanding game and i would have had more respect for the person if they'd have stuck by their guns and said well i've watched him for six years you know one swallow doesn't make a summer kind of thing i still think he's shit and after the game, they're like, yeah, you're right, actually, he's pretty good. I'm like, how's it taken 90 minutes to change an opinion you've held for five years? Like, should at least stick to it. So it's this it's this fickleness, I think, of who's who's the bad guy this week? Because I think we've had players who people have loved one week and then the next week they're, the, you know, the, the worst player in the squad. So I think that speaks a lot to the squad's, um, you know, or the lack of um, squad cohesion at the moment and ability to pick a team, which is any given week at the moment, someone could be the person who's the worst on the field just by the who we're playing and what system. I find that a frustration in itself because I like to consider, I like to consider myself, I may not be, but I like to consider myself a fair person. So when you're watching some of these games and there are things that are going wrong and you want to be annoyed about it, but at the same time, like, well, He's just he's just arrived. Dan, you've said it before. They've only just arrived. They don't know each other. They're still trying to work it out. I'm not sure at what point I will stop giving people the benefit of the doubt. The problem is they it's the likes of Koyate. Wasn't his biggest fan? Had a really decent game against Liverpool. He went out and bullied some kids. 
and it worked and i was a fan of it and he can keep doing that um but ultimately we don't we haven't seen enough of anyone or any system to really make a judgment call as fans from the sidelines so all that said we did what went right against liverpool what went wrong against arsenal was fairly obvious we didn't really turn up and, and they did but where do we go where, where where would we go from from this point? We've got Brentford, and thankfully we've got no games in between, so we've got a full week on the training pitch. Uh, a team with a weird sense of rivalry there. Um, I'm sure we'll see some XG stats popping up on on Twitter before kickoff. Um, but yeah, what what's are you making any changes? Is the Arsenal game a blip? Do we forget about it? No, I mean, for me, I would start the same team um, that we started against Arsenal. I think we, I mean, I know there was that early goal, but we contained them quite well, I thought. Let's remember that against City, we were 3-0 down at half time, So it was only one that we managed to contain them. And I thought we were, okay, we weren't great. But, you know, if, if it had stayed at 1-0, I think we could have considered that a slight result. Um and then when the second one went in, we just that just that mentality, we just heads dropped and we just completely lost it again. And I think that for me again is is the most worrying thing is that I, that game didn't need to be five nil. I don't think. Um, yes, it's Arsenal. Yes, the top of the league. Yes, they're at home. But considering how well we played against Liverpool, um, you know, I think that was a poor result for us. But moving forward, I would start the same team. Um, we're at home again. Um, there's absolutely no reason why we can't play as we did against Liverpool. Um, it's an opportunity to go out there, two games before the World Cup, show what we can do, get those points on the board. Um, yeah, for me, you know, just go out there and, and it's about, again, yeah, keep going on about it. But it's that consistency. We're not going to get it if these if we're just chopping and changing all the all the time. And these players can play together; they've proved it. Um, and let's let's. You know, let's prove it again at home and let's go and get a result against Brentford. I see no reason why we can't. Person. Dan, you in the same spot? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think of the next, I think we've got two league games right before the break. Um, and just to put it in relative context, you look at the table and Brentford and Palace are 10th and 11th, but you get a feeling of famous last words, but you get a feeling of Palace have got a game in hand, but also their form is a lot better. Palace seem to have taken a while to click. They bought a few new young players in at the beginning of the season. Um, Brentford's form isn't great. It's basically the same as ours over the last five games. Um, so this is, I'm not saying we should win it. Um, they're above us. They've got a better, more valuable squad and all the other stuff. And, you know, their favourites to finish above us. But if you you got to pick points up, this is the one, I think, out of the the ones that are remaining. I think going into Palace without winning this one puts us in a lot of a big amount of pressure before the international break. So um, I think we've got to get something out of this one. I'd go so far as to say, though, actually, depending on how that goes, um, it then brings up a conundrum as to what you do with the Spurs game in the week in between, because you've got a massive break coming. So it's not like you're worried about long-term fatigue, but you've got three games in a week. However, you don't get many games to, to gel. So I've... I'd be of the mindset that, you know, depending on fitness and everything else, you probably want to keep as many players in the Spurs game as as possible. You know, you don't want to be making wholesale changes to rest for Palace if you're still not comfortable that people know how they're playing together. But I guess it all depends how Brentford goes. Yeah, I, I see, I'd, I'd agree with you 
to a point with that Spurs game in the middle because I, I wouldn't want to see us doing anything other than trying to make it work in the league. Like, the result doesn't matter. Like, that's the thing. The result does not matter. But players that are going to be part of the relegation battle do need to be part of that. I don't want to see politely, you know, as much as it's great to see youth come through, this isn't the time for us to be blooding um, Kanate and, and people like that, for example. We need to... I, I want to see uh, Biancone getting... 90 minutes like he's there or thereabouts in the fringes of of the setup so if we're gonna rotate it a bit it's those kind of players i'd like to see come in maybe it's time for brennan to get if brennan gets a start in that game just a a, a free hit opportunity for him go and play with the pressure off because this isn't a league game go show us what you can do and try and build build some confidence maybe warrell as well like th those kind of players um I don't know whether we go so far as it's like I wouldn't want to see Henderson drop for the likes of Hennessy because I don't see the point in that. Um, that's the kind of player you want to keep in who's going to keep reading the game and hopefully bring it into uh, the the Premier League fixtures. Yeah, it will be interesting. I I'm pretty hopeful, if I'm honest, that we will get another three points before that World Cup, and I don't know whether that's me reverting to type and going into happy clapping optimism um or whether I'm I'm just looking at the law of averages in the Premier League you win some you lose some uh we didn't think we'd beat Liverpool we probably knew we'd get beat by Arsenal um and there's just other points along the way that we've dropped and I think we'll, we will get them back when we don't necessarily expect them I don't know whether it'll be Brentford or whether it'll be Crystal Palace but I just they haven't like got Tony Tony's not, uh, he's um, suspended, isn't he, as well? So that might be a small, uh, small win there, maybe. Who knows? Small mercy, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't, it's not so much the attacking threat of opposition that concerns me as much as our own being a little bit impotent in attack. That little run we had pre Liverpool and pre Arsenal, we, we looked more dogged, we looked more resolute. If we want to keep a team at bay, we probably can, but it comes at the expense of a bit of creativity. It's balancing it out at both ends of the pitch that I think really, really needs solving. Um, yeah, and I, I still don't think we've worked that one out. That's the bit that you can talk about personnel and who's in and who's out. Um, but I was just looking at, I haven't really looked at the league table too much and, you know, how many goals we've had against us. But I think we've conceded 28 goals this season in 13 games and 21 of those have come in five games. So if you look at the rest of it, we're conceding, you know, take those out, which I know you can't, but if you take out the Man City, the Arsenal, the Leicester um, abomination, then we're still basically conceding just over a goal a game, which means on average, we've got to start scoring a couple. <laughs> like, uh, uh, if you're going to pick up points, you've got to be comfortable that you're going to score at least more than one. Um, and we're just not doing that, right? So I, I tend to agree, which is we're going to concede some goals, we're going to tighten it up, but we've got to get the balance right because we can't be sitting on, it's, it's, I guess it's okay to go away to Arsenal and Man City and say we'll sit out and see what we can do but that was an aggregate 11-0 loss so I'm not sure how worse it can get at some point you've got to back yourself to go forward and I just don't think we've worked out what the right way to do that is yet mm. Any predictions for that Brentford game? I don't know why anyone would bother with a prediction because I don't know where you'd be getting it from uh, but have a go I'm going to stick with my um, my hopeful 
thing of why not just predict things to be good? Why, you know? Um, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two 0 Forest. I think we might get a shutout and might something might click potentially. Yeah, I'm the same. Um, I I honestly don't see any reason why we can't win that game. I think they'll score. I think we'll we'll win two one. Well, I hope we'll win two one. I hope we win as well, um, but I'm I'm gonna go for a one nil and another very nervy, uh, at least half. Um, I spent the entirety of that second half against Liverpool just stood around one and a half meters from the TV, just like not moving. I was supposed to be uh, doing bits of cleaning while I was watching the game. That was the agreement, but I uh, I didn't live up to that. I was far too far too hooked. Um. Right. Well, we may be back before the uh, the Palace game, so I won't bother with a prediction on there. But before we uh, wrap up what has been a relatively uh, short and sweet podcast tonight, I just wanted to have a little look at uh, some previous lowest point scorers in the Premier League, because I think that this could uh, potentially lift some spirits or give at least give us a sense of uh, perspective. So the five lowest points tallies in the Premier League. Actually, you know what? Let's do it. It's a bit of a quiz, guys. I'm going to put you head to head. So wipe your hand up because we ain't got buzzers or anything. And I'll say uh, who who's coming in. But uh, right. Lowest points tally in Premier League history. Holly. Derby. What was the points tally? Oh, what was? 12. Uh, 11, sorry. 11. <laughs> yeah, right. One One point to Holly then. Right, can anyone name <laughs> any of the other five lowest point scorers in Premier League history? I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw one. I have a complete guess. I'm gonna go Sunderland. Right, Sunderland are in it twice. Oh, oh, blimey! So I yeah. always go to Sunderland to look at a team that's had it worse than us, just in terms of capitulations. Yeah, mm. indeed. Right. Well, what, what have you? What can you give me for one of their lowest points tallies? Oh, man, I, I can't believe anyone else has been in the teens because I can't remember anyone getting that far. But I'm going to go like... clue on this, mate. All of them are in the teens. Really? Jeez. Yeah, okay. all five. Um, 15. Spot on. Second really? lowest oh, well. points tally, <laughs> Sunderland, 0506. 15 points with 26 goals Ooh. for the season. So there are... Three more. Sunderland are one of them. So if you want to buzz in with them again, I need the points that they got. But I'll take any of the uh, the other the other three lowest points finishes. One of them's more recently than you might expect. Can as I well, actually? Can I make a guess for one of the other ones? Yes, you can. Uh, Norwich. No, no, not in the bottom five. I'm trying to think who's. Because keep, people keep saying it that we've done a doing a Fulham, so I'll, I'll guess Fulham. Nope. Ooh. I've got an older one that I think could be in there, but I don't know if I'm mistaking it for their championship. Bolton Wanderers. No, no Bolton either. Are we just talking Premier League years? Here? Yep. Yeah. Oh, let's go back then. Let's Holly. Let's do like a I'm, I'm travel back you. to the nineties. Don't go that far back. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was thinking of shit teams like Swindon and Bradford, but I think yeah, they did all right, didn't they? Yeah. 
my uh, my hometown Oldham were probably up there as well at some point. Yeah, yeah. My adopted hometown. Give us a, give us a geographic clue. Are any London based? No. No London's. Okay. Everyone's north of the Watford Gap. Okay. And uh well, there's a there's a team that's uh, not had an enjoyable summer, largely in part due to Nottingham Forest. Oh, Huddersfield. Indeed, Huddersfield. Can you guess the points? 17. Close. 16 points for Huddersfield in the 2018-19 season. And they managed just 22 goals in the entirety of that campaign. So I was looking, sorry to jump in here, but I was looking at some stuff the other day as reasons to be cheerful. Yeah, and this league is fucking miserable. Like, <laughs> if I, I, I was looking at, I was looking at, um, where where is it? I was looking at the form guide just to see like how teams were doing. No, only one team up to fifth place at the moment has got more than two wins in their last five. So three quarters of the league, maximum, you're getting two wins, and some of them one win. It's just fucking miserable for every proper look at the draw. <laughs> Yeah. He, he just, who knows what happens when you turn up in this league? No. Like even even teams that thought they're sitting pretty, like Liverpool, are just dropping points like that they wouldn't expect to. It's, and we've got it, it's, it's a bizarre league. A and we think we've got it league. bad and we're you know struggling and we're rock bottom and all of that kind of stuff. Six of the seven no, sorry, five if you don't include us, five of the bottom seven teams have got worse form than us at the moment in the last five. So that's like a third of the league have got yeah. it worse than us. I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> but, yeah, surely what, not. What What are we now? Like lost, so, lost, lost two, drawn two, and won one. So we've taken five points from a possible fifteen, yeah. and of the bottom seven, that's the second best record. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll scratch my head over the rest of the night for that one. Right, we no. got two more inclusions in the five worst Premier League teams in history. One of them is Sunderland again. Okay. Right. Um, and so I'll tell you that that one. Sunderland were the fifth worst uh, Premier League team with 19 points and 21 goals that season. So there's okay. one more left. 17 or 18 points, right? Um, who is the that's around? Can you give us a rough time clue? Maybe. I absolutely can. Uh, there was a rather large upset that season at the other end of the league, okay. which completely masked this team's underperformance. Okay, so 2015 then? 2016? Around then? Yep. Who dropped out of the league then? That's the question. I don't think any of the quote-unquote big teams have been that bad, like Newcastle or Villa, right? I don't think they've got completely sunk. Oh, maybe they have. Oh, Villa. Yes, mate. Aston Villa, twenty fifteen sixteen, seventeen points and twenty seven goals with a rather shirty. I think it was it was Sherwood in charge, wasn't it? You might be right. Yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe okay. So now we've got some other targets to aim for. It's this like is it. get past Derby, move on to the next, right? That's yeah. it. And I mean, the goals tallies worry me. I'm not sure we're going to beat Villa's twenty seven. Uh, for that season, uh, the way we're going, but I'm looking at I'm looking at the points. If we if we can get into 
the twenties. <laughs> like maybe it's not all bad. No. I, I will bring just on a well, it's not a serious note really, is it? None of this is serious, but I was looking at the fixtures post Christmas, so post World Cup, and I think everyone knows we come back to like Manu and Chelsea, right? Um after that we've got four games against four of the other five relegation favourites in in a row and three of them are at home so we've got Southampton, Leicester, Bournemouth and Leeds and th- Leicester, Bournemouth and Leeds are all at home I think that's from January the 4th to February the 4th that's our season right there and don't forget we're allegedly spending another 100 million uh, I was just about to say that yeah <laughs> uh, so who, who knows there could be another 23 players having come in it'll be a completely different team by that point Yeah, I, I do think you're right though and I don't know what it is with football and football fans. Maybe it's a sense of delusion and trying to keep myself interested and and not allow myself to feel uh, pain sooner than is necessary. But when I'm looking at us coming back against United and Chelsea, there's a voice in my head going, that's not a bad run after a World Cup, you know? We could catch them cold. It's Thinking exactly the <laughs> same. I time to Six play points. those teams, if ever. Um and I don't know whether that's just me doing mental gymnastics or, or whether there's any kind of sound reasoning somewhere in there. But hey-ho, hope springs eternal. We move on to another week. Here's hoping we turn things round and uh, can get back to a wave of positivity. And I'm sure we'll be back before long. Dan, thanks for joining us, Holly. Thank you very much as well. You Reds! Hey!